Welcome to QAV. This is episode 500, our first episode for uh, season five uh, in 2022. Welcome. If you're brand new and you've never heard the show before, my name's Cameron Riley. I'm the co-host. The other guy I do the show with is Tony Kynaston. Tony's an old mate of mine, very, very successful investor. He's developed a methodology for investing that we call QAV, quality at value. It's kind of value investing with a few tweaks, but basically it involves a checklist and we do some fundamental analysis on the stocks to decide whether or not they're a buy or a sell. We're looking at the fundamentals of the business. So that's what we talk about on this show. Um, If you're listening for the first time, there might be a lot of uh, mumbo jumbo that goes over your head. Um, Either go with it uh, or go back and listen to season three, episodes one, uh, three and five. There's 301, 303 and 305. That's sort of our getting started uh, shows where we talk about Tony's background and the methodology and how he developed it and how it works and sort of um, get you started. So um, anyway, without any further ado, let's jump into the show. Welcome back, QAV, first show of 2021, TK, episode 500, 2022, 500. <laughs> How are you? Good. It's not our 500th episode, though, is it? No. Series no. 5, episode 0. <laughs> I don't know. Makes no sense. Makes about as much sense as uh, Nivex is reporting on our uh, portfolio yeah. results. Yeah. Well, let's not go there. <laughs> okay, we don't have time. You've yeah. got to be somewhere. You got golf to play or something. No, no, I'm getting my third jab at three thirty. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, that's very important. Uh, well, I'll just rip through some uh, getting started stuff. I assume you had a nice Christmas and New Year. We can take that all for granted. We don't need to. We don't have. We don't have time to spend talking about Christmas and New Year. <laughs> happy New Year, though, to all of our listeners. Yeah, Happy New Year, Apple. Hit the three trillion dollar market cap. I read this morning, according to Aswath Damodaran, who's a, I know a New York University finance professor, who's a big um, value investor educator. He says they've created the greatest cash machine in history. So, uh, tip of the hat yeah. to Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak and Tim Cook and uh, Warren Buffett and those guys for investing in it. <laughs> They've done very well out of Apple in the last few years, surprisingly. Three point trend lines. Can we talk about drawing three point trend lines, Tony? Because yet again, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing half the time. Okay, sure. You got an example? <laughs> <laughs> yes. ALK. Let's start with ALK. Alkane Resources. Now, what's uh, background behind this is in the last few weeks doing the, the buy lists, uh, as, as long term listeners know, these days, uh, Tony does a checklist each week. I do one. Alex does one. Then I compare all three and try and figure out, you know, what the real one is. And um, you and I have been disagreeing on some of these charts, and I obviously defer to you, but because uh, you're the only one who really knows what's going on. But I'm confused uh, yet again. So with some, how you're drawing some of these? Every t- it's it's a bit like uh, Godfather Part Three. Everything every time I th- I think I'm out of being confused about three point trend lines, you drag me back in. <laughs> So let's look at Alkane. Let's talk about the buy line for Alkane. Where are you drawing the buy line for ALK? 
first of all, before we do that, I'm just going to try and look at compare it to the Bredelator because I think, yeah, no, I get the same cell line as the Bredelator. So I'm using February 19 as L1 and then L2. I was originally using April 19, but it crosses anyway and touches November 21. So both of those are, well, probably November 21 would be the L2 to use. Sorry, I'm using L2 as April 19, and it comes out nowhere near November 21. Yeah, that's what the bread later says too, but I'm in stock doctor and it touches November 21 for me. So I've got L1, February 19, L2, April 19, and if I draw a line through those two, it's also touching November 21, which is different to the bread later. The bread later has that line above you know, sometimes it's hard to know the line, if it's on the point or just above the point with that L2, but I guess I can kind of wiggle it around and make <laughs> it somewhere near touching November 21, but um, I'd have to draw the line up a lot higher. I mean, when I draw it, it looks like Brett's, the Bredelator. Okay. I can see what you're saying. Yeah. How do you know if you're drawing the line in the right angle or not then? <laughs> you don't. It's a, it's a difficulty with stock doctor. Well, you'd have to open up the uh, calculator, right? You'd have to you could test it in the calculator. I would the three PTL calculator. Good point. Let's have a look. I will. I had to do those with a few when I was doing the checklist today, oh, okay. particularly some of the really like tricky ones, which I wouldn't have put this down as. But um, you know, some of them are trickier than others. Okay, so looking at the cell line, we've got February nineteen at. 0.2048. So then we've got 0.2398 on the 30th of April. Gives us a target sell price of 80 cents, and it's currently at 91 cents today. So I think it's it's still above that. I think the bread is pretty close. It's a lot higher than I'd drawn the line. Yeah, so it's still above its sell line. Bredelator is saying the sell price is 71 cents, though, which is a lot different to the calculator, okay. which is saying 80 cents. 80 cents, yeah. And 80 cents is looking a lot like the line I'm drawing in Stock Doctor. Well, 80 cents is halfway between the Bredelator and where, where it is today at 91 cents. All right, so it's above the sell line. How are you drawing the buy line then, Tony? Yeah, good question. Just Well, you never know because five years ago, there's more graph, but just looking at the graph currently, I'm saying the buy line would be around January 18. So then, sorry, the sell line would be in January 18. So then I would have, I'd be drawing a buy line from H1 August 17 through H2 of November 17. I'm going to get a buy around about March 19. That's just roughly eyeballing it at the moment, which is pretty much what the bread later does, I think. Uh, it's using H2 March 19, which is where I had it too. Okay. Yep. No, that's fine. I agree. Yep. Okay. So it's a buy if we look at it that way. Mm-hmm. But I asked you about this the last week. You told me it was a sell and you drew it differently. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm guessing I'd probably use then the highest peak and the second highest peak and it was below its byline would be my guess. Yes. 
I think that's what you did. Hold on. Okay. I'm trying to I'm trying to pull up the email. Where the hell is this? I'm getting so much trouble finding my emails from you these days. <laughs> is it really worth going through this on a podcast? <laughs> this is what we've always done. We've always gone through them on podcasts. People can play along, can't they? Okay. We're not going to get through one before three o'clock. Uh, well, well, we don't have to do any more. We can just do one then. I guess the big question I wanted to ask you, though, was this thing about the buy line follows the sell line. Yeah, right. Because a couple of months ago when we were talking about this on, I think it was 445, we were talking about the Commonwealth Bank. And the way I wrote the notes, and I even updated the Bible about this, was that if you bring up Commonwealth Bank in Stock Doctor, you can see that it's it got a new sell line recently. In uh, At the end of November, it got a new L2. And so we redrew the uh, sell line for it. Previous sell line, I think L2 was probably February 21. And then we redrew the sell line down through November 21. And then, again, my recollection, the way that I wrote my notes afterwards and updated the Bible was that the old byline, now that it had a new sell line, the old byline was effective again or revalidated as I wrote in the Bible. But when I told you that earlier, you were like, what the hell does that even mean? So I'll say it. I was trying to sound fancy, Tony. It was effective again. So the byline that I've got is uh, H1 April 17, H2 January 20. But the way that you've been doing them recently, you're not using those old bylines. You're still saying the byline follows the sell line, even when it has a new sell line. Because I would say that the sell line, every time we get a sell line, it invalidates the buy line and you need to, you know, what I previously thought was you, every time you do that, you need to draw a new buy line where the H2 comes after the sell point. But when we talked about CBA in December, you said, no, 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 no. When, when you have a new buy line, then the old, a new sell line, the old buy line is good. At least I, that's what I thought you said. Okay. So I went and dug up the uh, recording. This is from episode 445 where we were talking about the Commonwealth Bank. And, and, and I hasten to add, I'm not doing this to be a dick and I'm not trying to do a gotcha on Tony. I'm genuinely confused. And, and, and I think, um, you know, this is one of those things that uh, as we go along and we test various cases, uh, particularly coming out of COVID and a lot of the anomalies that we've seen. There are things here that Tony hasn't seen before, and he's trying to work out what the basic guidelines are anyway. So this is what um, we, we said back in episode 445, which was early December. Okay, but the second part of my question is, okay, so if we draw the sell line, it looks bizarre, it goes straight up, um, and we sold in July. Where's the new buy line then? Well, if you draw the new sell line, it's not the the... the Share price is always above the sell line, so it's the old buy price, the old buy line, which is uh, H1 January 2020, H2 January 2021. So it's buy, it's a buy in February 2021. So it means it's a buy again now. It's back on the buy list. Back on the buy list, baby. <laughs> but the the buy line has to follow the sell line, Tony. And we had we had a sell we had a sell event. Yep, we did. So and doesn't doesn't H two need to come after the sell event? Yeah, but we've redrawn the sell line. So at the time, if going back in time, 
when we sold yeah. it back in uh, July, July, August. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we couldn't we couldn't draw a buy line after the sell line, so we're out of it, out of the market. Yeah. Then yeah. now times moved on. We move L two to October twenty twenty one. The share price is above the sell line, and the old buy price is back in back in use. Really, hmm. you can do that. Yeah, that that seems like a little bit of jiggery pokery to me, Tony. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you could just like rewrite history here. What are you, Scott Morrison? You can't just go. Oh, it didn't happen that way. I I sent him a text message five minutes before I cancelled the deal. He should have read it. It's not my fault if he didn't read it. The cell line was the cell line, and we have to we have to now don't we have to get a new H two after the cell event? No. Oh, oh okay. Uh, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to think about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now back to this week's conversation. So, looking at CBA, let's use CBA because this is where the problem started. What's the byline on CBA? Well. I'm going back to what the original byline was. So I've got H1, January 2020, H2, January 21. Well, it would have had, no, see, it would have had a sell after that, right? Yeah. It would have had a sell, if I'm right, around about July 21. Yeah, and there was a sell line after that, though, as well. So July 21 is the first time it crossed this year. So L1, September 2020, L2, February 21, and then it crosses in July. Yep. But then July itself is another trough, I think. It closed at June at 99.87, closed July 99.65, then closed August 112. So July is the, the trough there, I think. Yep, I agree. It's marginal, but it's a trough. So, so that would have been another sell line. So we've got this new H2 now coming in at uh, November 21, but the byline that you just described to me, which has H2 at January 21, that H2 is not coming after the last sell. You've like negated, you've done a Thanos, clicked your fingers, those previous sell lines have disappeared from existence. (laughs) And... You've just said, well, that old byline is now revalidated, and I'm going to stick with that. But you're not doing that with some of these other stocks, and and, and, I, don't, and I don't know why. I don't know why either. I'm completely lost myself. I think we should just stop doing this and work it out. <laughs> I, like I, I can't think in as much detail on my feet. Okay. Okay. That's cool. All right. I just thought, yeah, no, no, you're an idiot, Cameron, and here's how it is. But uh, it's fine. Okay. Well, no, you're confused and now I'm confused. So. <laughs> yeah. I've confused you. Yeah, job well done. Okay, let's move on then. Well, I've confused you first of all. Oh, we're all confused. Platinum's a buy again uh, as of a couple of weeks ago. So uh, Zimplatz is back on our buy lists. It's marginal though, Platinum. Like it's hovering around the sell line, I think. So don't get comfortable, but yeah. uh, keep an eye on it. What else have I got? What's a cleansing prospectus, Tony? Uh, yeah, so whenever you issue shares, you shares, you have to um, issue a prospectus. Otherwise, I think the, the law says otherwise the shares can't be traded for 12 months. So a cleansing notice is generally just used quickly for shares that are being issued for uh, usually in small amounts, but they can be large ones, I suppose. 
But there are things like um, there's a different class of share that's converting to fully paid ordinary share or there's new options being issued and they're just coming into the money and they're being converted to shares. So they put out a cleansing notice, which is basically a mini prospectus. And what it's meant to do is to either update the market with any new information that's relevant before you buy the shares or confirm that there's no nothing has been undisclosed which would be relevant to you buying the shares or converting the shares. So it's a fairly technical thing. It's just um, it's just allowing a company to do something with its shares, like, I don't know, let the CEO exercise some options or and then trade the shares. Or if, say, a bank has some hybrid debt out there which can convert to shares, allows them to convert to shares and be traded. So it's, it's, it's a technicality in the corporation's law which says that if you issue shares, you have to have a prospectus, but in some cases you're not issuing shares, you're maybe converting them, converting debt to be shares or converting options to be shares. And if you don't issue a prospectus, you can't trade those shares on the market for a period of time, which I think is 12 months. So they issue this cleansing notice, which is like a mini prospectus to get around that trap in the corporation's law. Okay, thanks. Nothing to worry about then. Nothing to worry about, but they're still worth looking at in case there is something they haven't disclosed to the market before, which is included in the prospectus. But often, more often than not, they'll say nothing to see here. Right. So I came across this with IEC recently, and the cleansing prospectus was quite a sizable document. I, I should read the whole thing and and, and pay attention. Uh, what was it for, do you know? I think they were issuing new stock or something like that. This is for a company called Intra Energy Corporation, is it? IEC? Yes. Mm, okay. Surprised you on shares and like the ADT is about 400 bucks a day. I don't. It was on the checklist. Ah, oh, sorry. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> it turned up on the checklist and I went looking for a uh, qualified audit. Right. And saw this and went, uh, what's, what's that all about? Okay. So are, it's the prospectus because they are issuing new shares. They're issuing... It's an offer of a thousand shares and the issue price of 0.08 per share. So I, I, that's just a quick look at it. It looks like they're, they're doing a share raising, so they do need a prospectus. So yeah. So what am I looking for in something like this? You said you know in case there's something sneaky in it, like I kind of know what to look for of the audit, but there's no audit in this. So um, what do I? What am I looking for? So well, more often than not, they'll say something like there's no information which hasn't been already declared that's relevant to purchasing shares. This is, yeah, I'm surprised this is called a cleansing notice. Just looking through it now, it's a, it's a full-on, full-blown prospectus. So you need to read it through as normal. Right. But the important ones are going to be risk factors, major activities and financial information, both of which just refer you to the annual report. Uh, oh, here we go, risk factors. Additional requirements for capital, so it's telling you why it's raising debt, and they're, it's like they're acquiring a gold mine. So yeah, that's you need to read. Normally, they'll also put out a sheet telling you a summary of all this, but that's what you're looking for is the risk factors. Okay, that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually it's interesting. This is they put out a, a cleansing notice and they put out a cleansing prospectus. So I'm guessing that they tried to do this with a cleansing notice and got pulled up and told to issue a proper prospectus is, is my guess, but I haven't um, actually gone through and done any research on this. 
Yeah, it says that they had to withdraw a defective cleansing notice or something. Cleansing just doesn't sound good. It just sounds like, oh, they need to be cleansed. Ooh, what have they been doing? It's disgusting, but okay. Moving right along. Um, congratulations to Gary who posted his uh, straw man paper results in the group this week. 57.4% per annum since July 2020. 15.1% over three months, 16.5% over six months, 55.2% over 12 months. Really good result. So uh, well done, Gary. Congratulations. Killing it on paper anyway. Yeah, well done. They're good numbers, very good numbers, especially the more recent ones. All right. Do you have anything you want to uh, talk about before we get into questions this week, Tony? Uh, just a couple of changes to the buy list. So I had um, SRV, which is Servcorp, VRS, KMD, Kathmandu coming off the buy list this week. I had CLX, AXI, Just, Rio, which is a, a big one, Rio Tinto, and TBR, Tribune Resources, coming back on the buy list. And Rio is an iron ore stock. It does have a little bit of other metals, but it's I think about 90% iron ore. IEC, the one we just talked about, is right on its buy line. So you need to watch that one if you're thinking about buying it or holding it. And I just wanted to talk quickly about Thorn Group, which looks like it's had its qualified audit lifted. And it has a QAV score of 1.26. So it's come back in at the top of the buy list. And uh, it's, it's always a little bit difficult to tell with qualified audits because it's the interim results we're looking at. But the auditors haven't raised any uh, concerns over, or do they call it, uh, material uncertainty over a going concern, which they had in the past. And I did notice just quickly reading through the interim report that they've sold some of their business to Credit Corp, which we spoke about once before, and they've been getting lots of COVID payments from the government. So I, it could be one of these cases that um, they're going to be helped by both of those situations and they they have now some more certainty about uh, continuing operations. It's always a bit difficult in the half-year results, the interim report, because the auditors don't do a full audit. They do more of a desktop audit where they make inquiries, but they don't go back and reconcile things from square one. But at, at this stage, it looks like the qualification on the audit's being lifted for TGA. Yeah, I'll, I'll just let you know that that was actually one of our stocks of the week last week. When you're on oh, was it? vacation, so the stocks of the week this week, I think are MML and FMG. They'll be the ones I'll be putting out in our uh, official newsletters this week. MML, uh, which is the small cap, and FMG <laughs> is back, resurrected. It was gone for three days. Now it's back and better than ever, according to, I don't know, someone. <laughs> Surprisingly. Well, I actually prepared to do CIA Champion Iron today as their pulled pork, <laughs> which people can refer to as last week's stock of the week if, if you want. Oh, you're going to do a pulled pork? Okay. Yeah. About four years ago, three or four years ago, they bought a, a mine called Bloom Lake and did a good deal on that. The prior owner had spent a lot of money upgrading it and then um, decided to divest it and sell it. The thing about this particular iron ore mine, and they do have a couple of other ones operating in Canada, but Bloom Lake is the main game for them. It's it's an iron ore producer that produces very high quality iron ore. It's um, among the highest quality in the world, which is important from uh, reducing emissions side of things. So as Champion Iron positions itself as, as the, I guess, the way of the future for iron ore mining. And as we know, um, steel production is a big carbon emitter. 
one way that the, the steel industry is reducing emissions is they're moving across to electric heart furnaces. Instead of using the, the normal coal-powered blast furnace, it still does use coal, but it uses high-quality coal. So you can't do electric heart furnaces with low-quality coal like Fortescue Metals Group produces. And so as steel companies try and reduce their emissions, they move across to these different type of furnace, which needs a high grade of iron ore. So that's the sort of um, value proposition for this company. They also trumpet the fact that because they're in Canada and a lot of the electricity in Canada is is either hydro or nuclear, they're also a low emission miner as well in their own neck of the woods. So that's that's kind of their value proposition. Going through the numbers, it's uh, scoring well for us. Average daily turnover is 8.3 million, so it's a large cap company. Share price that I used in this analysis is $5.44, and that's the 4th of January I'm, I'm recording this. That share price of $5.44 is less than the consensus price target for this um, or valuation for this company. Its financial health is strong and steady in stock, Doctor. Again, we don't use ROE in our checklist, but just for people who are interested, it's 77%, which is quite high. And uh, what we do use is a price to operate in cash flow or prop cash, which is only 3.3 times. And the PE is only 4.3. So it's certainly a value stock for us. Even though it's an overseas miner and there's currency risk, um, operating in Canada wouldn't have much sovereign risk, I wouldn't think. But um, not sure why the the uh, prop cap is so low on this one. The price is also less than IV1 and less than half of IV2. So it scores well on both those metrics. The forecast growth in earnings per share is down slightly, down 18%. So we get a minus one for that because if you put the, the um, growth over the PE, it's, it's negative. There's no yield, so we don't score for that. Directors are holding 10% of the company, so we're scoring it for that. It's a, in terms of the manually entered data, it's the lowest PE for the last six halves, so it scores well for that. It's increasing net equity, so it scores well for that. All in all, it's a quality score of 92%, which is high, and uh, a QAV score of 0.28. And uh, it's up 3% since it was our stock of the week last week, so good on you. Uh, CIA. Good call last week, Tony. <laughs> We've had some good calls lately. GWR is up 33% since it was our stock of the week on the 13th of December. Mm. And uh, good old Michael Hill Jeweler is up 71% since it uh, was our stock of the week on the 28th of September. Sadly, Neither of those in my personal portfolios. Michael Hill Jeweler was for a long time, but I think I I sold it at some point and just rocketed up last week. All right. Thank you, Tony. Well, we're not doing MML and FMG as pulled porks, by the way, people, because we've done them in the last, uh, I don't know, six months. No point doing them again. They're just back as the stock of the week because we haven't put them out as a stock tip since September. All right. Let's get into some questions. This one is from Chairman Mab, not to be confused with Chairman Mao, but uh, Stephen Mab, the new chairman of the Australian I was going to say the Australian Stock Exchange, the Australian Shareholders Association. That'll be his next job. <laughs> this is a common question. I've had this from three or four people in the last couple of weeks, He's, but he was the first. Uh, he said, I was thinking about your chat about CAA and aluminium getting close to a sell. I don't own it, so no skin in the game here. But given CAA isn't a miner, but rather a manufacturer and seller of aluminium products, 
I'd have thought a declining commodity price would be a good thing and not a sell unless they have to drop their prices even more than the decline in input costs and not sure why they would. It will be a margin slash profit slash cash flow booster, I'd expect, or am I missing something? Yeah, look, I, I um, originally when Steve asked the question, I went back to him and said I thought the input was bauxite and then and the aluminium was the output. But um, I did some more digging around since then and I think I'm wrong. I think this company buys aluminium and then, you know, turns it into girders and, and frameworks that can be used in the construction industry and whatever else you use aluminium for. So I, I think my thesis about um, it being a producer of aluminium is wrong. So I'm not sure if the aluminium price is that relevant. However, I did read their annual report where they say that the aluminium price is very relevant to them for different reasons. So they often will try and price contracts to buy their products based on movements in the, the aluminium price on the London Metals Exchange. So they do that as a way of hedging their risk because they are purchasing aluminium, then reformating it and then selling it on selling it to customers. So they do... They do face a risk for the customers who aren't on those contracts tied to the LME price for aluminium that their import cost goes up, but they can't recover enough in the margin for, from the customer. So that's highlighted in the annual report as one of the risks. I'm not sure, didn't say how many customers were on those kinds of contracts or what kind of percentage or how big a risk it was, but it was called out as a risk and it was something that they, they tried to manage very closely. So uh, I think... Steve's right. Perhaps the aluminium price is more relevant to what they pay for the product and then what price they can get from their customers. Having said all that, I can't explain why their share price is going up when the aluminium price is going up. So it's possible that that's just a coincidence because they have been doing a lot of restructuring in the company to lower their production costs. So that could be more relevant to this company than the aluminium price. But I suspect that what might be going on is that they can recover price increases from their customers and that, you know, just by, it's kind of like by inflation. If the aluminium price goes up and they can recover that price increase from their customers, then their sales are going up. And if they have the same GP percentage, then they're more profitable from a cash point of view. But that's just speculation on my part. So I'm going to have to go back and, and rescind what I said about watching the aluminium price for capital. I'm not sure exactly what the impact is on capital from that commodity. Okay, so just to reword all of that uh, for my brain, the connection or correlation between aluminium prices dropping and uh, and the share price of a particular company dropping it would be mostly relevant if that company was a miner of aluminium, or in this case, mining bauxite and selling aluminium as a raw product, because if the price of that drops, then their ability to earn revenue drops. But in the case of CAA, they're buying that aluminium and turning it into tin hats, aluminium foil hats for COVID conspiracy theorists to wear. And uh, so they, you know, charging a massive premium for those. If they, if they also block out 5G, and Bill Gates's invisible uh, chips that he's putting in, you can get a get a really good price for those in the uh, on the darknet. <laughs> Joe Rogan selling him to Joe Rogan's audience. 
you can get a and charge a really high premium for those. Well, that's all the time we have for the free episode this week. Um, if you're new, uh, I would just like to point out that we have a free episode and a premium episode each week. The premium episode usually goes for an extra half an hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we get from our club members. We have this, this thing called QAV Club, uh, where you get longer episodes each week, plus um, access to our private Facebook group. Um, you get access to the checklist and the QAV getting started guide, the Bible. Um, you get access to our VIP dinners that we, well, outside of COVID, we tend to have in the capital cities fairly regularly. Um, Zoom calls yeah, when we can't do dinners with Tony, where you can ask questions and do stuff and various other things, various other uh, bits and bobs. But um, And if you want to check that out, there's a free trial for QAV Club. You can go up to the website, go to uh, qavpodcast.com.au, sign up there for the two-week free trial, get access to all of that kind of stuff and see if it's something that's right for you. Uh, if you want to get serious about your investing in 2022, otherwise keep listening to the free episodes each week. No problem at all with that. And join our free Facebook group where we post updates. Just uh, go to Facebook and look for QAV Podcast. Um Well, that's it. Stay safe. Have a good week. And uh, I'll be back uh, with Tony next week. Cheers. The QAV podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129271. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions. 